your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back, Heinrich holding, holding, Throw looking, it. throws it toward the end. Oh, so yes. He's got a man out there. Touchdown. Wyatt Lewer makes a catch. Touchdown. <laughs> Wyatt Lewer gets back-to-back catches, and that ties the game at 20. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Tim Curran. Friday Sports Nightly? What is what is this? We don't do Friday shows of Sports Nightly. Well, at least we haven't since February 26th. Goodness, well, we've had Husker baseball all those Fridays, but Oscars, because of finals week, don't start their weekend series until tomorrow in Piscataway, New Jersey, they're going to be taking part in that Rutgers pod. Tim gave you the scores from Rutgers' game today at 8-3 loser to Indiana. So the Hoosiers now increase their lead on Nebraska to a full game in the standings of the Big Ten. Huskers will play the second game at Baton Field tomorrow. Game one will be Rutgers-Indiana to play second and then Nebraska will play Indiana. And then on Sunday, the Huskers will open with Indiana and then turn right around and play Rutgers in game one and then wrap up the weekend with Rutgers on Monday. We'll talk more Husker baseball with Nick Hanley, who will be on the call this weekend with Ben McLaughlin a little bit later on in the show. And Tim Curran, this is a this is a big weekend, right? I mean, I don't know that we can overstate how big a weekend this is for this team coming off of three games. Let me ask you, let's would you take a split with both? Would you take get one from Indiana, get one from Rutgers? Would you be okay with that? Well, I think I think I called my shot already on this on, on buy sell on Wednesday night and I, I think what I'm what I'm predicting is Nebraska they they might drop both those games against the Hoosiers, the number one team in the Big 10, but if they do turn around and, and take Rutgers and, and, and beat them twice, which is a bit of a leap of faith, a bit of a stretch, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. But, um, you know, I, I think you would have to take that just because, look, it, it was obviously a hugely disappointing uh, weekend uh, last weekend for Nebraska. You were the first-place team in the Big Ten. You turn around, you fall to the Scarlet Knights, uh, get, get swept. In fact, both those games, Friday and Saturday, they were leading, gave up that lead, and Sunday was what it was. And Nebraska just kind of seemed a little punch drunk, just not really ready to roll. But, you know, Indiana is a solid team, and, and you, you, you would hope that you can at least get one of them. I think that Monday game, Greg, is going to be tough, the 10 a.m. one, not only because it's a 10 a.m. game on a Monday on the East Coast against Rutgers, but you're going to have to have a fourth pitcher, and Coach Bolt and Jeff Christie are, are still kind of figuring out exactly what that's going to look like. You might be looking at, if the, if the game uh, goes back and forth, you might be looking at a position player two on the mound, which is always a, a wild card. So, I, I think that yeah, it, it's it's fair to say. I think uh, I think most Husker fans are probably a little bit nervous heading into this weekend. Um, it, it is a massive one, but I think that if you were to split it, like you said, go two and two, whether that's two wins against Indiana or two wins against Rutgers or one win against each. I think that you'd have to be happy with that. Again, would you? Ideally, you would not have got swept by Rutgers. I think that goes without saying. But I think a two and two split this weekend is about it's about as much as you could probably hope for, given uh, you know that Nebraska is just looking to really just rebound. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Just get out of there with two wins, and if they both come against Indiana, great. If they both come against Rutgers, great. Just get two wins this weekend and stay right in the hunt of this thing. 
because now with Indiana's win today, as I mentioned, they're now a game out of first place in the Big Ten Conference. Michigan's playing right now. Uh, They started play today tied with Nebraska, so we'll keep an eye on those games as we move through the night tonight. The, The league, which has really done a nice job of avoiding COVID issues until last week, now has... Four teams not playing this weekend because of COVID issues. Last week it was Northwestern. They were hosting a pod with Michigan and Illinois, and Northwestern just stepped aside, and those two both got their games in. So it really didn't affect anybody last weekend except Northwestern. The Cats announced a couple of days ago, still having issues. Their weekend series with Purdue has been canceled. They're not going to make that up. And it's important for us here because next week the Cats are supposed to be in Lincoln to play three against the Huskers a week from tonight for game one. So whether that happens, I don't know. And then today it came out that the Ohio State-Minnesota series this weekend in Minneapolis has been postponed because of COVID issues. So of you know, you have four of the 13 teams this weekend that aren't going to be competing because of COVID issues. So, man, you you feel like as a country we're getting in much better shape, and all of a sudden in Big Ten baseball we've kind of hit some potholes here late in the season. So, you know, you hope that it doesn't affect Nebraska, and particularly those home games at Northwestern next week, because you know the Oscars will have great crowd. It's also a series you think Nebraska probably could do a pretty good job of of getting some wins. But isn't it it crazy? You thought the COVID issues, Tim, might have happened – as you made your way through the season we didn't have any until a week ago it's crazy it's a bit bizarre and you you don't i i almost wanted to say that it was in the back of mind i mean you you really thought that we were kind of out of the woods with all of this i mean certainly in football that was a rough go uh with some games being canceled certainly volleyball they got snake bitten um with, with a series or two that that were canceled and sure did. But baseball was just clipping along and you kind of had this naive hope that uh you wouldn't have to worry about it i know that um i'm not sure how what what the what the progress of every program is in terms of vaccinations i know um it varies from program to program from institution to institution but uh you look like you're going to be kind of out of the woods with the covid issue that is not the case and now you've thrown a wrench into all of this uh this late in the process with with the with the standings getting really crucial here in the late late in the conference schedule so I, I don't really know what to make of that. I, I, I would have assumed that those programs would have already been vaccinated. I guess not. Or maybe they were and they still got I, – I don't really know the issues, or so I'm not going to speculate. But um, pretty disappointing that, that, that this is still happening. Uh, it's understandable, obviously, why those games need to be postponed. But, again, I, I thought this was basically done with. But it uh, shows, shows what I know, I guess. Yeah, too bad because I think a lot of teams have received their vaccinations. I think Nebraska got their second shot if they wanted it anyway. They weren't forced to, but I think if they wanted to earlier this week. And again, I understand vaccinations don't make you immune to it, but it ought to greatly reduce the chance of you getting the virus. So uh, just disappointing to see two series in Big Ten baseball get banged this weekend because of that. All right, I want to shift gears and talk some college hoops. The NCAA Men's Basketball Rules Committee made five recommendations for the upcoming college basketball season. The biggest one is they are trying to eliminate flopping. And this is a great topic for Tim because he's a big fan of Euro soccer. So um, what they're going to do is they're, they, the officials, if this rule gets passed uh, by the full committee, which is in a couple of weeks, if an official 
deems that you flopped, you're going to get charged a technical foul, and they don't have to rule you. They just they can just come out and say flop, technical foul, free throws coming for the the team that created the contact or had the contact but didn't flop down. Uh, I, I, you know, I know they emphasize this the last couple of years. I don't know that it's been a huge issue in college basketball. Maybe it's bigger than I think, but I just I don't really. If I think back to the college basketball season, I just don't remember a lot of guys flopping. Now, Brad Davison at Wisconsin's a guy that seems to get charges every every time down the floor. Maybe he would fit into this. But, um, all right, since, since you are a soccer guy, and they've dealt with this in soccer, you okay with just kind of going right to an immediate technical foul if they deem you flopped? You know, I, I think that – it's always kind of that who watches the watchman type deal where when you give so much discretionary authority to the referees to determine what is a flop and what is not a flop, that worries me a little bit. Um, but look, if, if flops are something that are that are phased out of the game, I, I don't think anyone w- would really complain with that. We've seen some egregious examples in college basketball with Davidson, as you mentioned. Uh, certainly in the NBA, it's, it, it's definitely a, a blatant occurrence that happens quite frequently. Um, and, and I think it's something that needs to go. I, I do worry a little bit. I mean, you, you just talked, um, I know on the show, I think it was a couple of days ago, uh, or, or you tweeted this out, Greg, about the Angel Hernandez situation. This is Major League Baseball now, but uh, even with the assistance of replay review, we've seen officials across all sports at all levels blow things. And that that worries me a little bit. The, the one thing, Greg, that I, I just want to see less of is I don't want to see any more or I just want to see a lot fewer reviews. That just kills the flow of the game. Look, I understand it's important to get clock and timing right and, and make sure that you, you've assessed the right type of technical or personal foul. But to me, I'm, I worry a lot more about the pace of the game, and I'm fine with a lot more split-second judgment calls being made. Um, there are going to be mistakes, you know. but I, again, I, I, just, I just want to see less stoppages to the game. And so... If this flop rule means that a ref has to go under the hood for you know five ten minutes to assess the situation, I'm I'm going to be not very happy about that at all. So uh, the rule might be good in spirit, but I, it does worry me a little bit that we're going to give a lot of power to these referees who, as we know, uh, are, are are fallible human beings and have made some mistakes. Colorado coach Tad Boyle said, "Quote: After two years of using warnings, we didn't feel like." We were getting the results we wanted. We are trying to get flopping out of our game. We're asking the officials to call them when they happen. So I don't even know if you can review this. I think if they call it, it's it. It's technical. Off to the free throw line we go, and we start shooting it. Tad Boyle's a guy that I respect a lot. As Colorado's head coach, he used to play Kansas when he was in playing days. Uh, so I think I'm okay with this. I, you know, I think it's it's frustrating for fans. I can just hear the hoots and howlers hollers from PBA when they see, you know, the Huskers driving down the lane and it looks like somebody flopped and they, the call's a charge on Nebraska. So maybe this will work. One of the rules, that they, the, the committee came up with five recommendations, which will go to the Plain Rules Oversight Committee in June for a full vote. One of the ones that's pretty cool, uh, to me, I think, and I think it's one that may be long overdue in college basketball, they're going, and they're going to try this, they're going to experiment with this, Tim, next year in the NIT. So next March, not the NCAA tournament, but the NIT, they're going to experiment with giving individuals six fouls as opposed to five with a maximum of four allowed per half. So if you hit halftime and you have one foul, and in the second half, you get four, which would be five total. You'd still get dismissed from the game. So 
you can get a maximum of four per half, six for the game. So if you have two at halftime, you're then allowed to get four more to get to six before you're excused. Again, this is not would not be for the regular season next year. They're going to try it in the NIT. People have said for years how physical college basketball has gotten that they needed to expand the fouls from five to six. So, you know, when Dr. Naismith put five fouls in 110 years ago, that the game wasn't nearly as physical as now. I think I'm okay with this. I think, you know, I know it's just going to be an experimental in the NIT, but I could see this one sticking if they go through that. What do you, what do you make of going moving fouls from five to six? <laughs> uh, that is an, an unorthodox idea. Um, and I think even in the, in the article on NCAA.com, uh, they, they talked about there were, some, there were some people on the committee who were, who were kind of hesitant about it, which I, I could see why. To me, it's. I think there's a logic to it, as you said. You you want to make sure you don't get in the kind of hack a shack scenarios where, um, you know, guys are picking up fouls left and right. But to me, I I think that. I, I suppose if you're gonna if you're gonna experiment with this, might as well shove it into the NIT. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I I will I will say that I do I do you know the the rule change that I really like that they they changed recently was of course the 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 shot clock going to twenty. After the rebound, um, that, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, instead of having a full shot clock after every possession, that that's that's nice. And so um, I know that the, the three point line moving that back, I think, has been good as well. So um, I imagine that they're they're probably going to stick with this. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of these and these things they shove in the NIT that they end up staying. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I suppose I, I can see the logic to it. I think it's probably going to cause some confusion at first, especially for fans. Um, the idea that you're splitting up fouls, like if you get the one foul in the first half and then you could still get five more in the second, uh, that seems there's again, I, I understand the logic because there, there should be a little bit of a difference if you're picking it up in one half versus the other. But, uh, to me, it's, I don't know if it's too tricky by half or what, but I I could see it working. I'm, I'm lukewarm to it right now. Okay. The other rules aren't nearly as, as big, rule number three that they again are recommending they allow they're going to allow coaches to use some technology some live stats and maybe even have video on the bench to go look at things right now you can't have an ipad and pull up some video of a previous possession for a team they're going to start loosening that up a little bit team timeouts will serve as media will replace media timeouts so let's say the start of the second half it's not going well for you and you call a timeout with 17.30 to go. That's going to be the under-16 timeout. And that goes back to what something you said earlier, Tim, about trying to speed these games up a little bit, trying to get them back into a two-hour window. More and more college basketball games are going two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes. So if a team calls a timeout as you're approaching the under-16 or the under-12 or the under-8 or the under-4 timeout, it will replace that. Not just, oh, there's a 30-second timeout. We'll come back, play for 20 more seconds, and then we get to 11.55. And, okay, now we have to have the media timeout. It's just going to go right to the media timeout. I think that's good. I, I, I can't see anybody having a problem with that. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's more than fair. And, you know, again, we were – the seems like basketball, whether it's the NBA or college, is always trying to tinker with everything. And there's probably a point where too much tinkering can, can really impact the game to a negative degree. 
Um, but th- that being said, you, you want to make sure it's not stagnant. I mean, I think we were talking earlier, uh, maybe it was a couple months ago, about, uh, for instance, in the NBA, the, the three-point lines, and you have players who are essentially breaking the game, like a Steph Curry or a Damian Lillard who can pull up from three-point land from 45 feet out. That's just not something that anyone envisioned when they were drawing up the three-point lines. And so it, it's good to see that that the uh, the powers that be are paying attention and, and even coming up with experimental uh foul structures as well um because if if you're if you're so long as it doesn't overtly impact the game in a in a negative way um any of these rule changes can be a good thing i'm probably more of a of a traditionalist i just like things the way they are i'm not a big fan of change uh so too much change can be a bad thing but uh i'm willing to be i'm agnostic about it i guess i'm willing to to wait and see before i start complaining but i mark my words i will complain soon i'll I'll find something to complain about at least (laughs) all right the fifth and final one shot clocks will now have the display the tense of a second now they've gone too far they've gone too far (laughs) what is this (laughs) so those are the five again none of them are locked in they have to go to the oversight panel they meet in june they'll vote on these five this was the first step to getting these implemented into college basketball the flopping ones the biggest one that is out there Join now with the guy who's just living the dream right now. His Indians are in first place. His Bears have a quarterback. I just don't know how life could be any better for Nick Hanley than it is right now. You don't understand how much I'm still in disbelief of what happened in last Thursday in the draft. When they moved up, thinking, okay, Fields is there, but they're not going to get Fields. They're probably going to get Kyle Trask or somebody because that's what the Bears do. So I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to screw this up. But you're right. I'm – I, I, I'm on cloud nine. The, the Indians thing, we'll see how long that lasts. But, man, the, the Chicago Bears have kept me now interested all through training camp, which I just did not think was a possibility this year. Well, and to add to the dream, now you get to go spend four, three, three days, four games at, at beautiful Bainton Field for the weekend. I mean, I'm not sure how it gets much better than that. And uh, I noticed you mentioned the rain in the forecast, too, which is not usually a problem on a field turf. Uh, type facility on most college facilities because you actually have what they call press box. Uh, that doesn't exist at Bainfield. Although I don't know, did you hear? We actually have like a little kind of a tailgate tent now over oh. the the table. So yeah, I mean they're stepping it up over there. That's a huge upgrade. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to poke <laughs> holes in my score sheet when it's drizzling. So I mean, and that actually happened my first time there. Oh boy! All right, uh, you were you were with Ben last weekend. What level of concern did you have when you left the park on Sunday? About Ben or about the team? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh, no, Ben. Ben was fine. I I, I think it kind of in the different way of when the Bears actually made the right draft pick and got Justin Fields. I was just in shock. I mean, I mean Sunday was one of those performances that. It, I think it was just a culmination of the two previous nights where this team was just, I think, so sort of out of sorts, you know, in general because of what happened on Friday and Saturday that you just watched this team and the things that have really defined them to this moment pretty much break down over the weekend. The offense was extremely front-loaded, uh, you know, as far as the games played out. And then once you get to that bullpen, that has just been such a huge weapon for Nebraska. I mean, everything from Spencer Schwellenbach giving up his first allowed run and probably being around the plate a little more than what we're used to seeing him. 
And then, you know, Friday night, the bullpen couldn't throw strikes. And then Saturday, the bullpen was just so hittable and, and giving up so, so many big hits with two strikes that it was just really strange, kind of bizarre to watch play out. And yet there was just kind of something that I took away from Will Bold, and, and I think this should give Nebraska fans at least some comfort going into this weekend, is I always feel like he has really strong perspective. And there's there's an even-keeled approach to the way he does things. And I think for the most part, you would see that with Darren, too, where you understand you've been around the game long enough that you know baseball has its way of making you completely miserable one game, but also has its way of kind of balancing things out. So when you are on a heater like Nebraska had been on coming into the weekend, they're going to be humbling moments. But then when you have those humbling moments, you're going to have the same type of opportunity the following week to to kind of even it back up. So this that's exactly what this weekend is, I think, for Nebraska, is a chance to kind of feel good about themselves again. It's it's going to be a huge challenge, but I think I think the coaching staff right there, and just from what I took away from talking with Will on Sunday, I thought just kind of set the tone for a week that Nebraska is really going to have to kind of refocus, reset everything. But I think there there's that confidence within the, within that clubhouse to do exactly that. All right, tough one for you here, and I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer. Are you more concerned about the offense or the pitching? I think the offense. Because, again, the pitching, they were due for just that type of a moment. And the offense, we've seen this at times. And this goes all the way back to when you guys were in East Lansing. And you saw that kind of play out against Michigan State, especially on that Sunday where, I mean, yeah, you got some good clutch hits there in in that marathon of a game. But it was still kind of streaky offense. I love the way that Nebraska was able to set the tone both Friday and Saturday in the Rutgers series, but not being able to bookend those games with any type of offense. That does concern me because I don't know if that's an approach thing. I don't know if that's a pitcher adjusting and Nebraska not having the proper counter adjustments at the plate. And where I think you've been in this the season where you could look to the next guy and say, okay, if I don't do it, this guy's going to pick me up because that's just the way it's been all year. All of a sudden, are you taking a little bit of that, you know, that edge off of your at bats too? You know, just maybe not as hungry during those at bats, thinking that someone else is going to pick you up and kind of relying on the other person as opposed to looking at yourself in the mirror. So, between the approach, the mental approach, you know, both the physical and mental approach to those uh, those plate appearances, and just understanding how to adjust to a pitcher, because I think last weekend was a great example of seeing from one day seeing a lot of power left arms to then seeing more finesse arms and then that pitcher making the proper adjustments in Nebraska kind of being punchless with that. That to me is more of a concern as opposed to a bullpen that I think you've seen a pretty large sample size where they've been largely impressive and effective more so than they didn't. I I feel like what happened last weekend, at least to me, is more of a one-off as opposed to the offense that that I do think is a legitimate concern right now. Yeah, I agree with you. You you mentioned the the Michigan State series. I think it was even the weekend before. I think it was when you and I were in State College that they didn't hit any home runs in State College, mm-hmm. which that's not 
the end-all, be-all for offense. I get that. But they, they've sputtered their way through that weekend. And some of the scores looked more lopsided maybe than the games actually were. Uh, Penn State got sideways in the Friday game. And that, that thing was, I think it ended up being 7-2. to It was not a 7-2 to game, but it ended up being that. Kind of like last Friday's game with Rutgers was not 9-3 or whatever that thing ended up being. I, I kind of felt like that's where you kind of started going, hmm, they've lost a little edge offensively. And then it carried yeah. into Michigan State. And then it really really exposed itself the nerve was really exposed last week at home and so I, I'm, I'm totally with you there visiting again with Nick Hanley here he will be on the call this weekend of the four games in Piscataway with Ben McLaughlin Huskers will play Indiana twice and Rutgers twice Indiana already a winner today they will play Rutgers tomorrow morning and then the Huskers will get them on their third game of the weekend I, that's got to be a little bit of an advantage doesn't it Nick that it'll be Indiana's third game and Nebraska's first I would think so. And, I mean, Indiana, they're a team that go back to all of these top-tier teams in the Big Ten, kind of going through their own little rough patch. Michigan's kind of fighting it a little bit over the last couple of weekends. Indiana did it at the end of March, and they dropped five in a row. And and so they've kind of figured things out, too. And, you know, you you do wonder how Nebraska's going to be able to sort of approach this weekend. But I think you're right. you got to understand that Indiana, although settled in for the weekend, is going to be a little bit more taxed where Nebraska – not only should feel pretty fired up to get back out on the field and try to atone to what happened last weekend, but also you got school now behind you too. You can really kind of settle into that weekend and attack with your number one, as opposed to, you know, their number three. So I do like that from a pitching matchup standpoint. I think Kate Povich should be able to hold his own against a pretty good hitting Indiana team. But I also think Nebraska offensively, as we talk about looking for an opportunity to kind of regain a little bit of that confidence you hope that you can do that against the number three from Indiana as opposed to having to deal with their number one. Bryce Matthews, uh, kind of AWOL last weekend, wasn't he? What, what do you make of that? That's, that's a freshman that's had some huge hits for this team. What, what do you make of the absence of Matthews in some lineups last weekend? I think he said it right there, freshman. I think you're, you're getting a little bit of the ups and downs of a freshman. And, man, the, the weekend he had against Maryland and then – what you've seen him do in some clutch situations. And, and I know you've talked about that before. He just almost seems like, the, you know, the bigger the moment, he really kind of shines in that. Uh, defensively, I don't think there's any confidence issue at all with his coaching staff on Bryce Matthews. I think it's, you know, just kind of looking at the type of pitchers they're going to face and see if the type of stuff that this guy's bringing, if that favors Bryce's strengths at the plate. And, you know, Cam Chick, who I thought really played good defensively uh, in yeah. those those last two games, too. I thought he did a good job at filling that spot out, and I think they feel a little bit more confident with Cam's ability to drive the baseball and to give you a little more consistency offensively. But based on what we saw this last weekend where everybody kind of struggled, I wouldn't be shocked to see Bryce get another crack at this, especially with four games. He's too good of an athlete. He's too good of a player. You love his defense. And he does have that ability to get going with the bat, and I think the more – opportunity he gets to see that I think is going to really benefit in the long run so I think there's probably just a little bit more of the matchup concerns at the plate with him and just kind of what you've seen with him sort of streaky offensively like you do with a lot of freshmen all right last thing for you here in the game notes this week for the first time all year they didn't list out the starters for the whole weekend they've got Cade going tomorrow and then it's TBA 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 what's going on there what's your guess of what they're thinking there Well, two things kind of came to mind there. Uh, We've just seen a lot of up and down with Shea. And so I I would be shocked if 
you know, Chance Roach would would not. Well, I shouldn't say I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked. Chance Roach is going to factor into one of the starts. But I, I did hear Will say that they're going to kind of maybe play it uniquely, just based on maybe the results, what they had to use in the bullpen. You know, do they feel like that first game against Rutgers, that Chance is a better matchup? Because I will say this about Chance: Chance's outing against Rutgers, I thought was very good. Yep. They had a tough time hitting the slider, so it wouldn't shock me if they want to save maybe Chance for that first game against Rutgers. And so by doing so, do you roll out Shea in, in game two against Indiana, or do you decide maybe you want to go Jake Bunz or, or even a Cam Wynn, Cody Frank? I think they're all options. So I, I honestly think Will wants to see how this first game plays out based on who they use in the bullpen. I think we'll dictate that, that game two starter. In fact, it wouldn't shock me if it's not Chance uh, against Indiana in the second game. But if they do go to, say, a Jake Bunz or they have to go to a Cody Frank or a Cam Wynn in that first game, Maybe that does change things a little bit. Maybe you just go ahead and roll out chance and you try to piece it together for you know for four and five. I wouldn't mind throwing a different look at Rutgers, to be honest with you, but given the fact that I thought Chance was the most effective pitcher in that series against Rutgers, I also could definitely see the benefits of rolling him out there against Rutgers as opposed to the second game against Indiana. And then Monday could be an adventure. I mean, that could be a Johnny Allstaff day. That could be, you know, that could be a Cody Frank or a Cam or Jake Bunn, mm-hmm. depending on how they use them too. But again, for the bullpen, you're going to need guys. I, I think, you know, Braxton Bragg, who is just struggling, he's getting a lot of the plate, but he, he wasn't really fooling anybody. I mean, I, I think he might be called upon again. Uh, you might see a Bradford out of the mound or out yep. of the bullpen as well. Uh, we'll we'll see if Kyle Perry, uh, we know he's getting closer. Uh, there, there's a lot of different options, but the bottom line is these guys have got to come in and challenge hitters much better than they did over the weekend. I, I don't think that you're ready to abandon ship on the bullpen just yet, but I think that's also going to dictate – kind of the, the rotation that you see after Cape Povich on, on Saturday. Yeah, it's such an odd thing to play somebody in back-to-back weekends, and, and you've been a part of calling both those because you had it in Minneapolis where you saw Iowa twice. Then the next mm-hmm. weekend we're in Iowa City playing M3, so it does, I think, create a little bit different chess match. All right, we'll, we'll yep. travel safe, stay dry. Let's get some wins this weekend. Have fun back there. Sounds good. Appreciate it. We're back, Sports Island, here on a Friday night. Rare Friday night of Sports Island. Haven't had one of these since back in February because of all the Husker baseball. No baseball today. They play tomorrow. Their weekend series, Saturday, Sunday, Monday this week. And Monday, bright and early, 10 a.m. So when you're at work, fire up the laptop or have your little portable radio handy, handy and listen to Nick and Ben call that game on Monday morning. Callers and guests into our show can dot us up on our Sports Highly Hotline, and fire off a text at the same number, 531-500-4686. That is our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Lots of academic talk here in the last week. This is finals week, graduations. The big graduation ceremonies are tomorrow. They had the law school and the graduate school graduations today at Pinnacle Bank Arena, and for the first time, in a long time, they're going to be outside at Memorial Stadium. Uh, first time ever for those tomorrow. Two different ceremonies, one at 10 a.m. with about half of the colleges, and the other one at 3 was scheduled to be at 4, but they backed it up to 3 o'clock. There will be, for the Huskers, 78 student athletes, Tim Kern, that are graduating tomorrow, all sports. A couple of names. How about Levante David coming back and getting his degree? That that's a cool story, isn't it? I mean, he is he's been out of he's been playing in the NFL since about thirteen twenty thirteen. So 
eight years later comes back and finishes off the degree. That's that's a cool deal. Well, certainly he didn't need it for the earnings potential. I think he yep. probably already had that uh, career-wise going now, but that that's great. And Levante David was one of my favorite players to watch. Um, I remember in, seeing him in person cover the field from sideline to sideline, just swallowing people up like a black hole. I mean, that was mesmerizing. And the, the career he's had has been quiet. It, it's, it's really great that he's kind of got his, his, his due, I think, uh, with the Super Bowl, of course, going to Tampa Bay and, of course, Tom Brady, but uh, nevertheless, <laughs> as well as Levante David. So, uh, you know, I think I think finally he's a guy that has that's got some actual broader national recognition. But for Nebraska fans, he's always been a fan favorite. Of course, he was a Juco transfer. He was only there for a couple seasons. But, you know, the impact he made on the field was incredible and uh, a guy that, that is certainly welcome back on uh, on this here campus whenever he wants so it's always great to see him and and it's been fantastic to watch his career that he's had and, and of course them lifting the uh, Super Bowl trophy despite uh, I know there's a lot of Chiefs presence here on Sports Nightly but uh, I was I was at least happy to see Levante David lift that Lombardi trophy you had three Huskers on that Tampa team and Dama Kinsu who had played in the Super Bowl but hadn't won it he gets a ring Levante gets a ring and Khalil Davis gets a ring and another former Husker player, and you have to go back further than Levante, who's getting his degree this weekend, is Carell Buckhalter, a terrific running back for the Big Red. You go back to the uh, the first first decade of this century to go find Carell Buckhalter playing. So that that is just so cool to see guys hang in there and finish off and get that diploma. That's a pretty cool thing. Adrian Martinez also graduating. Uh, tomorrow, Ben Stilley is graduating with a master's degree. How about that? Ben Stilley's got a master's degree. That is really cool. A lot of baseball Huskers picking up diplomas. Uh, they're not going to be here because they're back with the team in Piscataway, but Joe Acker, Jackson Hallmark, Luke Roscoe, Mojo Haggy, all getting their degrees. So congratulations to them. And for men's basketball, Thor, Thor picks up his degrees. He announced a few weeks ago that he is not coming back next year he's going to go ahead and try to play some pro basketball over in europe but he will leave lincoln with a college degree that's really cool Derek walker who's back for another year for nebraska next year he's getting his degree and you'll remember walt pitchford won't you tim oh, yeah. he's picking up his diploma tomorrow as well look at that uh, will tim miles be in attendance that's what that's what my I, question is but i don't think so i think he's got his hands full uh, full out there in san jose <laughs> state so congratulations again 78 student athletes picking up the diploma we talk so much about they're all these student athletes and their play on the playing surface or playing field uh but it's all about being a student athlete getting your college education done and so for 78 huskers they get that diploma tomorrow a handful of kind of academic type things announced today by the athletic department tim including members of the huskers team that have been selected for the prestigious arthur ash sports scholarship award uh what's that all about tell the folks a little bit about that yeah, so the Arthur Ashe uh, Scholarship Award here uh, is, is named, of course, after the late Arthur Ashe, the tennis legend, the, the late tennis legend, and 30 Nebraska athletes, including uh, Adrian wow. Martinez, uh, were, were honored with this. And what you have to do is you have to, uh, well, honors obviously specifically students of color, but you have to maintain a cumulative 3.5 GPA and also be active on campus and in the community. So uh, pretty pretty high threshold. I, I certainly did not maintain a 3.5 GPA throughout uh, throughout my college uh, career, and, and I wasn't even an athlete, and I wasn't particularly active on campus in the community. So um, it's it's definitely an impressive achievement, and, and, and definitely a shout-out to Adrian Martinez. Now, I mean, he's the starting quarterback, a three-year starter at QB, and is able to get it done on the classroom. And everyone, of course, Rick can recognize 
um, you know, the presence and kind of that maturity. He had. That's that's the one thing that that struck me even as a freshman, his first year. Um, you know, that that maturity that he's commanded uh, for as long as he's had. That, that's been really impressive. So it, it really is not surprising to me to see that Adrian's one of the 30 honorees for the Arthur Ashe Award. Um, it, it's it's really an incredible honor, and, and, and definitely I think Husker fans ought to be proud of him. And, uh, in fact, uh, Nebraska in general did really well in the Arthur Ashe Junior uh, Sports Scholars. They're actually second uh, in the Power 5 schools. Arizona State leads with 36, Nebraska at 30, Oklahoma State's at 24, Vanderbilt at 19, Texas horns down at 14. So Nebraska's <laughs> second overall and uh, Arthur Ashe, junior sports scholar. So uh, a pretty pretty good all-around academic and, and athletic achievements for uh, these Nebraska athletes. See, we're, we're trying to keep this highbrow, and you shoot the shot at Texas there with your horns <laughs> down. I mean, we're trying to be classy here, and you've got to go and spit at a former rival of ours. How about what, what's the deal with that? Well, I couldn't resist, Greg. I mean, well, <laughs> as I, I, I think I bragged about this, I think, on the last week or the week before on Sports Night. I, I actually did visit A-Town, Austin. Uh, that's where my uh, my twin brother lives. And, uh, of course, the first thing I saw leaving the airport uh, were a handful of Longhorns, uh, some Bevos just hanging out. So I, I got the full I got the full Texas experience, barbecue. Um, uh, there were lots of things that were big. Actually, Austin, oddly enough, a lot more lush and green than I would have expected. You, when you think of Texas, you think flat, uh, arid earth. You also think of their hokey social media accounts that like to take pot shots at Nebraska, uh, I'm not. Sun. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, the the sun is is out. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I, I again, I I think uh, we had this. I think it was our top ten list of, of the of the teams we'd like to see Nebraska be in a conference with. And my number one was Texas, just because I, I just the team you love to hate, and uh, I will not I will not apologize for loving to hate the Longhorns. Well, you're not alone in that. Some other high profile Husker athletes who were among those thirty for the Arthur Ashe. Award George Cushy, who is the terrific cross-country track and field runner for Nebraska that won the Big Ten Conference in cross-country. And Izzy Bourne was also on this list for Amy Williams' basketball squad. So, again, congratulations with uh, Nebraska getting 30 honorees, including 18 females, 12 males, uh, were featured in the Diverse Issues in Higher Education. That is a really cool thing that came out earlier today, so I wanted to give our tip of the cap to that. Also, two Huskers have been selected for as finalists for the NCAA Postgraduate Scholarship Award. Uh, Abigail Napton, who is a tremendous diver for the Cornhuskers, she is one of the ones that is up for a postgraduate scholarship, along with Evan Hymanson, who's a men's gymnast. They're each going to receive $10,000 scholarships as two of the 42 athletes, 21 male, 21 female, across 17 sports to capture this prestigious honor. So these are rolling out. These always roll out this time of year with graduation coming up. So congratulations to Evan and Abigail, two tremendous student athletes at the University of Nebraska. Of course, the Oscars lead the free world in the number of academic (laughs) All-Americans and by a wide margin. And it's great to hear that some of this uh, excellence is continuing for Nebraska Athletics. So cool stuff there to be able to share with you, and congratulations to all the student-athletes that are uh, graduating and getting their diplomas here this weekend. We're back. Final segment of the week here on Sports Nightly as we send you into another weekend. Uh, time for our winners and losers of the week. All right, Mr. Kerr, what do you have for me? Well, uh, I guess I'll start with my my loser. And actually, this brings me no joy. No, There's no schadenfreude here. Uh, but Albert Pujols' time 
as an angel uh, came to an end on Thursday. Yeah. And let's let's face it, that that entire time in Anaheim and or L.A. Uh, rather, it was was pretty poor. I mean, he was batting below the Mendoza line when L.A. decided to, to cut him in his final year of his of his ten year two hundred forty million dollar deal. Safe to say. Los Angeles did not really exactly get their money's worth. Now, of course, they got some fine players on that squad. You got Shohei Otani, you got Mike Trout, but uh, Albert um, was, you know, way, back when he was in St. Louis. You know, this is reaching back quite a few years now, but you go back to, to 2009. I mean, he was the king. Uh, I mean, he—you you could have argued that he was probably the face of the sport, with given yep. how well he was playing in those Cardinal scenes when uh, when Larusa was was managing them and. Now you fast forward. I mean, as soon, almost immediately as when he went to L.A., things I don't want to say they fell apart, but that that kind of spark seemed to have been missing, and pretty disappointing, uh, you know. But I, I do think uh, he is still a Hall of Famer, um, but but definitely did not do himself any favors with the latter half of his career. I, I want to ask you this because we we got into this a little bit last night. I, if you pinned him down and said, "All right, Albert, if you could do it over." If you could go back 10 years ago, would you take the same deal with the Angels or would you have rather worked something out and stayed a Cardinal his whole life? I bet he would say, I wish I'd have stayed a Cardinal. Don't you think? Yeah, he would probably say that. Again, hindsight's 2020. Um, I, I think probably he probably i mean he probably isn't the type of guy to look back and live in regrets and i mean he probably not. got a pretty nice payday from it so he'll probably be able to comfort himself one way or the other but i i do think there's something to that where you know i, th- I think you see it all the time in sports where a player gets a massive payday and all of a sudden the foot comes off the gas pedal a little bit because they they kind of got what they were looking for and that kind of inner drive that inner motivation stops so um, I don't know if that was necessarily the case with Albert. Um, age also probably paid a factor, certainly in the latter half of that contract. But um, yeah, I, I think that he certainly uh, baseball. I mean, St. Louis is a special town for baseball. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of fan bases that uh, I know. Greg, you're probably wincing as you, as I say this because being the Royals fan that you are. But you know, let's face it, there are not a whole lot of fan bases like St. Louis that that rally around that team. No, and, it's true. And so yeah. I think that yeah, Albert probably probably does regret that a little bit. Yeah, they don't have a football franchise, so they, <laughs> baseball is what they sink their teeth. Oh. All right, how about your loser of the week? Uh, well, that well, Albert was my loser, but my oh. winner, my winner of the week uh, would actually be uh, Jake Paul for <laughs> his hilarious. Stole I don't know if you saw hat. this. He stole. He pulled the most juvenile move uh, in, in of all time <laughs> and stole Floyd Money Mayweather's hat, and they got into a fight. Now, I think Floyd actually got the best of him. I think he busted his nose. Um, but I, I, I will I will admit as as not a fan of Jake Paul I, I had to crack a smile looking at those antics that was uh that was that was some good stuff that's great all right my winner is Adrian Martinez we talked about him earlier in the hour graduating in three years uh, one of the thirty uh, one of the thirty Huskers honored or as a finalist for the Arthur Ashe Award pretty cool stuff for the guy that's also been the starting quarterback for Nebraska but to graduate in three years kudos there Adrian that is really cool my loser of the week I'm going Major League Baseball. Umpire Angel Angel Hernandez, who had just an awful week in Kansas City. This guy is really just pretty embarrassing to the profession of umpiring. About everywhere he goes, controversy follows. It's just remarkable that he is still a full-blown Major League Baseball umpire. Just really should not be able to don the uniform anymore, but still does in MLB. All right, that'll put a wrap on tonight's show. Thanks for being a part of this one. Thanks to Tim. Thanks to all of you for listening. We're back on Monday. Husker baseball throughout the weekend. Enjoy those games. We'll recap it all for you on Monday night's show. Good night.